and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about magic with a K so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Handbook for Mortals by Lanny Sarum. Joining us to discuss this 23-hour New York Times bestseller is feminist and internet badass Kelly Jensen, editor for Book Riot and editor of the YA anthology Here We Are, Feminism for the Real World, which you should totally buy. Hi, Kelly. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. By the way, I bought it. <laughs> Great. Did you buy two copies? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, well, that's what you can do next time. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, birthdays are always happening. People are always having gift occasions. Sure. And there's always kids being born. It's true. Great baby book. <laughs> Babies love feminism. <laughs> exactly. Get them started early. Yes. And I mean, if they eat the book, at least they're like literally ingesting feminism. Yes. It's a great way to start. Absorbing it into their bodies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I I kind of wish that someone had force fed feminism to Lanny Sarum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it would have really helped with the, like, not like the other girls syndrome that this book has a real bad case of. Oh, yeah. Very, very bad. And I mean, yeah, there wouldn't be competition between, among the girls um, for these super uninteresting dudes throughout the whole book. No. There might be even, like, some more female characters who she's friends with instead of just, like, her rival, her mother, and, like, one woman she's kind of friendly with for, like, the one scene that she's actually in. Yeah. The rest of the time she's after Cam Mack and other interchangeable dude names. (laughs) I couldn't believe... I was so shook when you pointed out that Cam and Mack are just, like, palindromes. Yeah. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, well, no wonder I can't keep them straight. She can't keep them straight. (sighs) Um, Before we dive much further into the this book itself. Uh, I think most people listening to this probably have heard some of the scandal, at least, of Handbook for Mortals. This is definitely a book that a lot of people wrote in asking us to do, and we're so happy to comply. And we want to give a special thanks to Brian from Milwaukee for helping us get our hands on copies of this book, which are mysteriously hard to come by for a New York Times bestseller. Huh. Yeah, it's yeah, really it's strange. So weird. <laughs> so weird. It's almost uh, like there's been magic with a K performed. Oh. <laughs> but if you are unaware, uh, the Reader's Digest version of this is that this book, Handbook for Mortals, out of nowhere appeared as a number one New York New York Times bestseller on the young adult list. And no one, every, the entire internet was like, what the fuck is this? Like, because that, I, I assume that you're all listening to a book podcast, so you all understand that that doesn't happen. Um, and it turned out after some investigation some, from some hashtag CSIYA, CSIYA, <laughs> uh, investigation on Twitter that there had been bulk orders placed for the book at all at many New York Times uh, reporting bookstores that were just under the amount that they have to report as a bulk order. And that was how like. 20-something thousand copies of this book supposedly sold in a week. This book that no one had ever heard of that was self-published or published from, like, a It was, like, website. a 
yeah, Geek Nation's first like foray into publishing. And not only have these books been ordered, but there physically weren't that many copies available. So it was this sort of like loophole where like the orders had been placed and charged, but they hadn't shipped yet and perhaps never would ship because perhaps they don't exist. Yeah. It was all very strange and just bonkers. The whole thing was bonkers. We'll link to a couple articles that kind of sum it up uh, with a little more detail than we're going into here. But it was just insane, especially once once, uh, excerpts from it started popping up online and everyone could see how bad this was. Yeah, it's, it's very bad, even by our standards. There's two other quick things I want to say about the the scandal itself. Like one of which is this, as Kate said, was the top of the young adult bestseller list. This is not a young adult book. The characters are adults, and the book that it knocked aside from number one was *The Hate You Give* by Angie Thomas, which is a fucking great book that deserves millions of copies to be sold of. And then the other thing about this woman is she was like. Well, the reason you haven't heard of it is because I've been selling it at conventions and, like, using my celebrity friends. Because I don't know if you know, but I was the manager for Blues Traveler, okay? So... And, and can we add that, I, I mean, it's since been deleted, um, and for good reason, but Blues <laughs> Traveler was like, she's a terrible... She was a terrible manager. <laughs> uh, like, they, they caught on to what was going on and um, jumped in to the fray as well, and... Their, their comment was about that she wasn't a good manager, which, I don't know, after reading this book, I'm really not surprised. Right. My other favorite part of it is that just because of the style that it was written in, um, people started to posit, I think mostly as a joke at first, that it was written by the author of the infamous Harry Potter bad fic, My Immortal. And it's, that caught so much traction that it ended in the unmasking of one of the authors of My Immortal, which then turned into a whole additional other, like, bizarre online saga about her life and what has happened and where she is and why that fic existed. It it just was a really weird couple weeks. <laughs> I mean, it was the gift that just kept on giving, really. Yes. Yeah, it was the gift that kept giving and that made me feel bad for the author of My Immortal. Like, I really felt for her. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, me too. Like, she has a really fascinating story, which we will, in kind of a terrible way, but that will probably, I'll find, there's a couple articles about that, too, that we'll link to uh, on the website. And she has a memoir coming out that I'm for sure going to read. Definitely. All right, so that's how this book came to be a worst bestseller, <laughs> the short version. The long version, like Kate said, we'll link to it, because there's so much to dig into here. It's just like... And it's so worth it, too. Like, oh, oh it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Really good. All right, so then this book, I'm going to start off by saying something perhaps controversial. I think at the core of this book... I think it's a good idea for a book. Like, if somebody wrote a good book that the concept was like, this girl has actual magic with a K abilities, but she's using them for, like, a Vegas stage show that people think is just, like, illusions, but it's actual for real magic. I would love that. But I think it's a good, smart idea. Terribly executed. 
Yeah. I would agree. And I mean, I will say there was one point, there's a twist um, in the story. And I was like, why couldn't she have written a good book? Because that would have been a good twist. But she didn't write a good book. She had ideas and cobbled them together poorly. But the ideas themselves were not terrible. And I also think she says in the introduction or whatever that she originally wrote, or maybe in one of the interviews, this I think was originally a screenplay. Yeah, and that I, was in the introduction. I think it would be a good movie, or at least a better movie, because there's stuff where it's just like pages of, she has like outlander disease, or it's just like, let me give you every little piece of detail that you would ever want to know about the backstage blacks that stagehands wear. And if you're doing a movie, you don't have to do that. You just show them wearing black. You don't have to have this extremely long description of what her illusion is. You just, like, fucking show it, and it would look cool. Yeah. It, uh, I guess I guess we should just... We should start. Um, so, so right off the bat, the book starts with an introduction from... Uh, I already forgot the name of the woman, Sky Turner, who I guess is, like, a romance writer or something yeah i had not heard of her something along those lines yeah yeah like i i googled it she's not a young adult author i had never heard of her and i was like is this a real person or is this made up the introduction on its own even is bonkers it is the most like wink wink nudge nudge name droppy thing in existence about how like she met Lanny when a particular uh, young adult franchise movie was filming the second of its five installments (laughs) in Baton Rouge and she like had a fan page for one of the actors who also had a band haha you know who I'm talking about and uh, I just want to interject that it's Jackson Rathbone who plays my favorite vampire, Jasper, and who who <laughs> Lanny also managed his band, which most people don't even know that he has a band, so that's how she's doing at that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how, like, she, they used her fan page to promote, like, his gigs, and she got to know Lanny, and Lanny found out that she like wanted to be a writer so she encouraged her and then she became a New York Times bestseller so then when Lanny had this idea for a screenplay she reached out to her very close friend international New York Times bestseller Sky Turner <laughs> to read it for her and then they decided or Lanny decided it should be a book instead and it's just like the most wonderful thing that international New York Times bestselling international bestselling author Sky Turner has ever read it's so original and wonderful (laughs) and you're gonna love it and also she pronounced her name Lani Lani no Lani it's Annie with an L this I can't remember because the the explanation of how to pronounce her name is so long that by the end I was like I can't remember <laughs> and also who cares yes. exactly. I, I, uh, I'll I learn how to pronounce Chauvin sooner than I will care about Lanny <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the book like the reason that people were, were claiming I think that it sounded that it must be the author of My Immortal is because that is the like type of with no offense intended to Mary Sue fanfiction that is the type of narration 
that the this book opens with like i'm beautiful but not that beautiful like there are more beautiful girls and i'm skinny but not like hot skinny just like normal girl skinny and like people say that i have like you know curves but like my bosom is too big to be a traditional hourglass shape <laughs> and you know i have blonde hair that i've dyed different colors and just like straight up that sort of personal info dump is at the beginning of this book it is bonkers <laughs> another thing it has in common with my immortal and in common with a lot of i think especially like late 90s early 2000s fan fiction is just the belief that the music that you like is the purest reflection possible of like what your character is and like what you whether or not you're an interesting person and so to that end, like, the second chapter of this book is just the entire lyrics of the song Wide Open Spaces by the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> like, not even, not even, like, uh, uh, the court, like, the entire lyrics of it, which yeah. it's a great song. Like, that song on its own is way better than anything else in this entire book. But, like, <laughs> whoa. I need to know, like, so to reprint those things that costs a lot of money. Um, so I can't even imagine how much she poured into like getting the rights to reprint that. At first, I wonder if she even got the rights to reprint it, but I was informed that it's actually in the copyrights. Um, so she must have, but like... Or she's lying on the copyright page. Or she's lying. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility too. But I mean, that would be thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, and still, that's better than the rest of the book. Um, she's friends with the guy from Rookie of the Year, who is a very well-known actor who I'm sure has lots of money that lent <laughs> her to get the rights to Dixie Chick songs. The mm -hmm. actor from Rookie of the Year. Well, but maybe her close personal friend, the Plain White Tees, helped her out. <laughs> <laughs> or Carrot Top or J.C. Chavez from NSYNC. Yeah. So she, do she does have connections. That perhaps could lead her to the Dixie Chicks. I mean, maybe. Um, in addition to that, the character is, like, I've always been very interested in interesting quotes, and she's always dropping these, like, stupid quotes, like she's a high school yearbook come to life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing. I think it's another reason why everyone thought I was, like, my immortal or, like, an actual teenager, because I think that is... Well, like, when you're in high school and you're getting ready for the yearbook, you are very interested in, like, quotes to, like, write on your binder and white out. And she was like, I'm going to do one step further and put them all into my best-selling book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the book starts with uh, our main character, whose name is Zaid. <laughs> Like, aid with a Z, as she explains later, but she also explains later that her full name is Scheherazade, which begs the question, does Lanny Taylor know how to pronounce Scheherazade? <laughs> Just putting that out in the universe. I don't, uh, think, I don't think we should make fun of someone for not being able to pronounce names, though. I think that's a really common problem that a lot of people have. I mean, I, here's, here's where I step in and, and argue against that. The introduction is about how to pronounce her name. Mm, yeah, great point. So, like, so there's <laughs> there's some obsession with pronunciation of names. So I think in this case, it's okay. Okay, great. Well, I'm on board. Also, Scheherazade is a character in a popular, you know, folktale that everyone knows. Not an obscure in America like <laughs> Irish name that perhaps you might not know how to pronounce all the letters of someone out there. Just yeah, putting I, it out there as an example. Yeah. Okay. Great. 
I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Zaid is leaving home. Her mother is a tarot reader who, at this point, it's only vaguely implied, like, can do real magic. Um, They live in Centerville, Tennessee, which, if you didn't understand from the name, is in the center of Tennessee. We get a lot of detail about that. (laughs) About the name. Not not the town itself, but the name. But apparently the town um, will help a tarot card reader sustain herself. Yes. Yes. And we get a lot of background at the beginning about how her mom has been a tarot card reader from here for a long time. And, like, her whole family has been. And it led to her being bullied a lot in school for being a witch. And now, like, she's going to strike out on her own and go audition for the show with no further details given against (laughs) her mother's wishes those those lack of details the whole time were just beautiful i was like what are you doing where is the show what is the show how'd you find out about the show like can you audition for the show are you old enough then i figured out she was old enough because she says she's lived in centerville tennessee for um how did she put it? A quarter of a century. And I was doing the math. I'm like, so you're 25. Why are you in a YA book? Like, it doesn't right. make sense. Yeah. Um, there's like a super weird balance of like a lack of details about plot and then um, super tiny details about like inconsequential things. It's like Twilight to the max. Like Twilight <laughs> with the plot dialed way down and the description of Alice's closet dialed way up. Uh, so Zayd ends up in Las Vegas it turns out and the show she is auditioning for is a magic show put on by a gentleman named Charles Spellman a little on the nose there see what she did Charlie Spellman and he does tricks illusions illusions sorry (laughs) Uh, And she auditions for the show and everyone is very skeptical that she is going to do this when she walks in and everyone hates her immediately. Uh, And she does a trick that at this point we know that she can do real magic because she... (laughs) Her entire trick is her doing a high dive off of a high, the catwalk into what appears to be, like, solid metal. And then, like, she turns it into water and is able to, like, swim out through a real tank of water somewhere else. <laughs> and and there's a rose. Like, the rose is a very important part of this. Remember, she has to, like, drop it dramatically so that the viewer knows that the floor is solid when it lands. I was like... Bitch, a rose, really? Like, come yeah. on. It, like on the cover of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as, uh, as ridiculous as this cover is, and we'll get there, it does include elements of every plot point in it. That is true. Yeah. I had not actually thought about it since finishing the book, but that actually is disturbingly correct. <laughs> Um, so after she does the trick, like, most of the people love her suddenly because it was so cool. There are certain people who don't love her, one of whom is Mac, who's, like, the TD or something. I don't yeah, actually te- know what he the technical director, I think. Yeah. And because he needs to know all the details of how her illusion works to make sure it's done safely. And she won't tell him because it's actual magic. 
And then the other person who doesn't like her is Sophia, who's the Regina George of Las Vegas. <laughs> and in a relationship with Charles, um, as it turns out. And so there's a little bit of a, like, worry that, you know, this new girl who comes in and does this trick is going to take away Mr. Spellman from Sophia. Also, Zeb, who is something else in the magic. He's the one who knows how all of the magic works. We don't actually know why he doesn't like her yet. I can only assume that either she forgot about that and never tied it up, or it's like laying groundwork for a future book in the series. Yeah, she says something about like how like the other dude's like, oh, he just takes a long time to warm up to people, I guess. Uh, I think I yeah. think you're giving a lot of credit about that being a, a thing she's going to bring in later in the series. It's possible. <laughs> uh, so she suddenly like everyone loves her when she does this trick, and like like half of the guys who are super hot like are suddenly into her, and one of them is too pretty. He's too pretty for her to be interested in, so they become bros. And one <laughs> of them is too young, and the other one. She's, like, drawn to Mac, the TD who doesn't like her, and also the lead guitarist of the house band. Because she also plays guitar. And, like, not, like, real well, but a little bit. You know, she's just, like, a hobbyist. And then later, like, borrows his guitar and, like, plays an Amy Mann song. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that was the most beautiful rendition of an Amy Mann song I've ever heard. (laughs) And she's so impressed because the guy also likes Amy Mann. She's like, you've heard of Amy Mann? Oh, my God. Like, Amy Mann is not that obscure. I was going to say, she's not obscure, but I got really confused because, you know, I'm reading this thinking, this is a YA book. Like, what what 14-year-old knows Amy Mann? That's true. Yeah. But um, for anyone listening who's wondering, like, okay, what happened between her doing the trick and suddenly the whole story becoming about all these dudes? Like, that's the story. There is nothing in between. Yes. There is the entire plot of this story is that uh, Mac warms up to her and they decide, like, they're going to be friends, but there's definitely a spark of attraction there. And then, like, Jackson also likes her, but she can't decide which one she wants to be with. So she asks her tarot cards, and they can't decide either. So she decides that she's just going to date both of them. But it's not like, like, one of those, like, childish high school things where, like, the guys hate each other, because they're friends, and, like, they're all adults, and this is totally cool. She just can't decide, and, like, they're very mature about it. But, but then she starts having like second thoughts when she brings up her magic and and like the tarot card lifestyle she's had where mac suddenly is like whoa this is like crazy bonkers i can't i can't with this and jackson's like yeah that's cool that's cool um so you see her then she's like oh and as i'm reading like oh she's gonna make her decision here like she's you know but no no we got thrown for a loop on that one <laughs> yeah and it's like spoiler like, alert I can't, I can't even like going through the plot like we're we're mostly done now because literally <laughs> the entire plot is her like and then we all went out to the bar and like i hung out with jackson and mac was broody but then mac came over and i talked to him and jackson kept looking over his shoulder at me and then we all went camping and i sat next to jackson and mac was like leaning against a tree watching us so then i went over to talk to mac and jackson like looked at me from the fire and like that 
just keeps happening, interspersed with, like, very specific... (laughs) Interspersed with, we have Tuesdays and Wednesdays off for work. Uh, Ten days later, I was at at a show. Thirteen days later, like, we had practice. Uh, it's also you know, occasionally interspersed with like shots of her mom Jayla who um, is like spying on her with tarot card magic or something and then and then my favorite part is um, so the story is told through Zade's point of view like she's first person but then you start getting third person accounts and it's usually Mac and Jackson talking about how hot Zade is and how much they want to be with her it's like it's the most crazy, amazing, voyeuristic look into these two dudes who clearly only live to figure out who gets to be with her. Yes. Also, Jackson is, has a band who like they always go out to see his band, and his band is the Plain White Tees. Like it's literally the Plain White Tees. Like they name all the other people in the band, and it's the real band members of the Plain White Tees. And by the way, I looked up. Uh, did Lanny Sarum represent them as a manager? Yes, she did. <laughs> yes, she did. But it's it's never mentioned though. Like they're just sort of this local band and they do not have a song called Hey Delilah so like what's your game here what are you doing and and we know though that this is set in like modern times because she has an iPhone like there's a thing about her iPhone in there so it's like what alternate reality plain white tea story is this I don't the timeline is just really um, creative and here this is like a very weird nitpick and it might be just because of the version of the book that we have. But speaking of her iPhone, there's a point where she and she it is very specifically an iPhone that she is using iMessage to send yeah. a message to someone else with an iPhone. And she sends emojis and they're Google emojis. Yes. They're not yes. Apple emojis. <laughs> yes. I saw that and I was dying. I was like, wait a minute. She put emojis in the book. Like, literal emojis. Wait, they're not even for the iPhone. Because I would honestly, I would have no beef with an author putting emojis in. Like, I I agree. Like, I, was, I had a moment of, oh, that's kind of creative. But, yeah. Like, because I, it's I like, think that putting emojis in is one thing. But to specifically say, like, oh, we're using our iPhones to do this. And then to use a very specifically not iPhone emoji. Like, dude, just change it to cell phone. No, just exactly. Just change it that you're texting him. Exactly. No, that part's bad. But it's like... They're at a party, and oh, there is one other thing. In addition to like the younger boys fighting over her, there's this whole thing where Charles, like the star magician, has the special interest in her, and like the whole show goes out to dinner, and Charles makes her sit next to him, and everyone's jealous. Like her love interests are jealous, and Charles's girlfriend Sophia is jealous, and everyone's mad except for Zaid. And she sends like a frowny face emoji to Mac. And he responds with a side-eye emoji, and she's like, oh, no, what does this mean? And I was like, this is a very relatable emoji spiral, <laughs> and, like, I feel you, except this that... Reminded me, this reminded me, too, I, I had, like, the funniest story, because they go out to the pepper, pepper mill, um, and Zaid, I almost said Lonnie, Zaid <laughs> describes what the pepper mill is, and it's like, oh, it's this old-school Las Vegas you know, place and it's just like really classy and really cool and like Vegas. 
here's the truth, friends. I got married in Vegas personally. Yeah. And um, we were going to have our reception at the pepper mill because, you know, <laughs> that description. Well, my mom did some research. It's a dump. Like, it is not this, like, classy, like, Vegas establishment. Like, it's not what she said it is. So now I'm wondering, like, how much time has Lainey really spent there? Or, like, where, um, you know, where is she going that this is some, like, luxurious place to go get dinner? Because um, in reality, that's not what it is. Interesting. So is that, like, the description that's on the website makes it sound very fancy, but in reality, it's a dump? Yeah. Okay, cool. So very clearly, like, she was just, like, fancy restaurant in yep, Las Vegas. Yep, yep, Great. Because from the website, you would think that. Like, that's why we looked at it. But then, you know, we had somebody go actually to the Pepper Mill and look at it and be like, uh, no. <laughs> not for a wedding reception. And we're not talking, like, fancy wedding reception. Like, we went to Maggiano's for a wedding reception. Like, that's our level of fancy. <laughs> um, so the Pepper Mill didn't even hit that level. <laughs> This is good knowledge to have. I know. Sometimes sometimes having a little Vegas knowledge is useful. <laughs> uh, so let's see. What else? Um, so during... She's she's working on, like, this special new illusion with Charles, which is why she's spending all this time with him. And I'm sure that anyone listening to this, even if you haven't read the book, has already cracked the code of uh, why she's spending so much time with Charles and it looks so weird. But despite the fact that it's from Zade's point of view, we never get that information from her. It's only later that it comes out that, spoiler alert, he's her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in the meantime calls, causes like 19 misunderstandings with like everyone else working around them. Yeah, because those boys who are like itching to be with her are suddenly like, oh no, she's going to pick Charles. She's not going to pick me. She's not going to pick the other dude. Like Charles is her man. And Charles's girlfriend, Sophia, is, like, super rude to her all the time, and, Even like... though, even though Zade saved Sophia's life, because <laughs> she had a premonition that something would go wrong with Sophia's harness, and no one believed her, and Zade like, dove into the water to save her from drowning... There's this... So this is another piece of this book that is so bizarre to me, um... Zade has magic powers, but only when it's convenient for her. So there were like two instances where she conveniently is super intuitive. And then there's this great, um, great moment of she didn't know how to put a tent up. So she's looking around and she's like, what do I do? Oh, I use my magic to make the tent appear. And she does. I was like, also, oh, I want to be a person who can solve all of my plot problems with magic. You know, like, yeah, it's There's also a point where she's at the mall and she's ordering a lemonade from a oh. vendor and the <laughs> high school boy serving it to her is flirting with her and the other girl working at the stand is his girlfriend and she loses her shit on Zade and, like, comes out from behind the stand to pick a physical fight with her and she uses her magic to make the lemonade stand machine explode. And doused the girl in lemonade, but not everyone else. So she just publicly <laughs> humiliated her and then, like, walked away. It was... I'm just laughing so hard. <laughs> it just... It... I don't... This whole book is, like, a strung-together series of incredibly vague, like, and then we hung out, and then we did this, and then time passed, and, like, 
super specific detail oriented <laughs> things like and then the lemonade machine exploded and then I ran into Carrot Top and Wayne Newton at the mall and I knew them like we were friends it is I, I don't even there is no way to adequately describe this train wreck no. I, I mean it's like very bad fan fiction yes it's, it's like very bad fan fiction that's specifically uh, built around your own specific wish fulfillment and like people don't like me but I'm gonna overcome it and I'm like very pretty even though I don't think I'm pretty and you know I'll use this magic to get low-key revenge I'm also against a man on a bicycle who's rude to her and she makes him fall into a pothole oh yeah and then and they don't do anything about it either they're just like oh man yeah I remember that oh man like you're bringing up all these like very detailed things that I like took notes on because I was like this is ridiculous and amazing like where did this come from how does this fit in who are you Zade who are you I never got to know this girl and I feel like she would tell an interesting story where she able to tell her story instead of the instead of Lonnie Laney uh instead of her story yeah uh, so let's okay. see. So um, I, I think we might be ready for like the dramatic like final oh, yeah. act. Yeah. So she's working on the secret tri- trick with Charles, and right before they do it for the first time in front of an audience, uh, they're meeting alone in his office, and he like tells her like I love you, you're like my favorite person on the planet, I love you so much, and like kisses her cheek, and she does her like psychic point of view switch to Mac who is spying on them and sees him say like, I love you so much. And then start to lean in to kiss her. And he like turns away in anger and he makes um, somebody else run the show from the, the uh, cue board that night and just like goes out to smoke a cigarette. And so in her act, she starts to, like be in pain and the magic's not working right and she's able to finish the trick but then she collapses and is bleeding and they bring her to the hospital at which point uh charles is like yeah like i'm her father and max like oh no i'm so stupid i can't believe that i was so distracted by whatever oh no and specifically in this part uh mac is like demanding that the nurse tell him how Zade is, and she's like, I can only tell you if your family, and he's like, well, I'm her boyfriend. <laughs> and she's like, no, sorry, bye. And then Charles comes up, and she she's like, I can only tell family, and he's like, well, I'm her father. And then they have... Previously, Mac has been desperate to know how Zade is doing, and then as soon as he hears that Charles is Zade's father, they halt everything, and Charles has to give this whole backstory. <laughs> well, apparently the nurse is just, like, standing there processing it. <laughs> and then and then she's like, anyway, uh, do you want to know how Zade is? And like, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her, and her mother calls and is like, you have to bring her back to Centerville where I'll do magic to save her. And it's the only way. And you have to bring Mac with you. And then there's like a quarter of the book, which is just uh, from (laughs) Zade's point of view, because she, she tells the reader after she collapses that all of the rest she got from pulling the memories out of her friends later so like a pensive. Told- yes. 
So it's told from her narrative, like it's not like the plot POV switch font or anything. It's her narrative, but her telling about what everyone else was thinking and feeling and doing. And then there is a someone else's point of view within someone else's point of view <laughs> when her parents explain to Mac how they met. And it's like a time flip back to when they were young. Like, for two whole chapters, it's just, like, that time period and that point of view. I it mean, is... really, you, you've got to give her credit. She shoved in so much backstory and did it by, like, explaining away that she was just piecing the things together that she had pulled from other people's memories. And it turns <laughs> out that the trick, in order to do the trick, she needed to pull Kate, on I'm the sorry. Energy. You keep saying trick. It's an illusion. I'm and sorry. she has this full on, it's, I don't, I genuinely don't know if it's an homage to Arrested Development or she doesn't know and it's just like that bad. But it's genuinely like Joe Blue's whole thing of like, it's an illusion. Tricks are what children do or like whatever. Like, it's so funny, but I don't think it's on purpose so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so for her illusion... Uh, she needs to like pull on Max energy and because he left the building she couldn't do that and that's why it backfired that doesn't go into much detail further than that that's just I think it's really just to create this whole like hurt comforts fan fiction scenario where like Mac feels so guilty because she's in danger and it's his fault because he left yeah it's just so there's like hundreds of pages well the pages in ours were very weird but like a good chunk like a good portion of the book is this like she's unconscious and her parents are explaining things to mac and then they explain that he has to stab her with a dagger at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) while reciting ancient rituals in order to save her and but it's not like a real dagger it's like a magic dagger and he just has to blindly do it but if he doesn't believe he'll kill her it is, yeah. And that's, like, basically the end of the book. Like, she survives and recuperates and her parents get remarried. Yeah, her parents get remarried. And then, if I may, the last line yes, of the book. please. All right, this is the last line of a New York Times bestselling book from 2017. Are you ready? And, and please read it in italics as written. <laughs> okay. And they lived happily ever after. Or did they? <laughs> and or did they is in caps lock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I mean, again, this is how you end a fan fiction where you're like, or did they? Please rate and review. I'll post the next <laughs> chapter when I get like 20 reviews or whatever. What? <laughs> also, there's another shitty fake out where it's you are meant to think that it's Zayd and Matt getting married, but it's actually her parents yeah i I was like um i I was so like oh that's not surprised i'm not surprised that it's zade and and matt getting married after all that you know like he saved her by shoving a dagger through her um and then it was her parents and i was like what the hell this is not what i signed up for i don't care about your parents (laughs) well oh my god mac and zade aren't gonna get married till book three of the trilogy come on you know she's gonna change her mind and marry jackson (laughs) mm-hmm I just realized that we forgot to mention the one actual plot thing that happens in this book, (laughs) which is that she's at 
the mall, which she hates, but she's there like 55 times over the course of this oh, novel. Oh, yeah, we did forget. <laughs> and as she's leaving, this like girl runs up to her and is like, I know what you are. And she like <laughs> attacks her and she does magic at her. And then like the girl disappears. And then later on, like through pulling Max memories of when she was in the hospital, she sees that the girl was also spying on her in the hospital. And that's it. There's no yeah. other... That's yeah, but, it. but That's... she she certainly there are a number of times throughout the book where she's like, I really should worry about that girl at the at the mall. It's like that's the line she puts in. I should worry about that. I should figure that out. That's the thing I should do. Like those are your notes for plot, Lani, Lani, <laughs> not for the book itself. Like no, no, those are your notes to you, not what Zayd should be saying out loud. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We, wow. did <laughs> we did it. We did it. Overall, I mean, that magic girl and the trick, like, it's so vague what Zade's powers actually are. I still don't know. And it seems like it could theoretically be anything. Anything that is convenient to the plot, yeah. I think Zade could do. I was going to any, anything that's convenient to the plot and also, like, vague kind of magic that she really, like, siphons from other people's energies and she's a shitty tarot card reader oh yeah oh and that's another fight like she and mac have where mac thinks tarot cards are dumb but jackson thinks they're cool fucking whatever (laughs) right um are we ready to move on to dramatic readings or do we have anything any other plot points we forgot (laughs) probably i feel like we've hit the important ones right Okay. Uh, so to start off the dramatic readings, I am going to read the one of the first pages in the first chapter of the book, just so you can get like a real taste of what we've been trying to explain to you about these info dumps. For me, I will never forget one particular July morning, the gray clouds that hovered over the ancient trees lining the street the wind that blew swiftly through my blonde hair. It also spun about the chunky pieces on the lower half of my long hair, which I had dyed to be a multitude of fun colors. Today, they were pink, purple, blue, and a turquoise green, but I have a habit of changing the colors frequently. My perfectly cut bangs stayed mostly unaffected by the wind, except for a few squirrely pieces. The smell of rain was strong and crisp. It's a smell I love so much, I wish I could bottle it up. Even though it wasn't raining yet, and you couldn't even hear the thunder, you could see the lightning. You knew the storm was coming. It was exciting. The energy from the storm ran through my veins, that ran through my veins felt electric. The hairs on my arms stood up and goosebumps popped up all over my skin. I've always loved thunderstorms. Most people prefer sunny days and poppy white clouds, but not me. I hope for thunder so loud it makes the ground shake and lightning so bright it illuminates the whole sky. Those types of storms are rare and magical in my mind. They have an air of danger and mystery, and it always feels like something exciting could happen at any moment. I pause briefly to watch the streaks of bright light spiderweb across the sky. 
I wished I had the time to stop and just watch the storm, but this day was important and I had to keep moving. I took comfort in the fact that day storms are not nearly as magical as nighttime ones. I'd lived in that one-horse southern town my whole life, practically a quarter of a century. My family has owned land in that place since the early 1700s, and my ancestors basically established the little town called Centerton, Tennessee. It is about an hour or so outside of Nashville and smack dab in the middle of the state, hence the over-obvious name, Centertown. Old people say that it was the capital of the state for one whole day before Andrew Jackson decided that the capital should be moved to Nashville. I guess it's true, though I've never really been able to confirm that. Nor do I guess it really matters. It makes the people who live there and tell that story really proud, though. Yeah. I just yeah. realized <laughs> while reading this that she talks about how her whole family's like lived here forever and has owned land here for forever but then later we find out that her mother met her father because they were in a traveling show together one thing we did forget to mention also is that her mom is a gypsy and they talk about gypsies like that's like with no actual concept of like the gypsy is a slur that you're not supposed to use to describe Roma people, and, like, that that's probably not what they were at all. Just yes. casually in yes. there. Yes. yes. Can I go for a read now? Yes, absolutely. So this okay. this next one is, um, I will be playing Mac, and Kelly gets to be Zade. This is, this section, like, made my heart race with just how beautiful it is. <laughs> So they're camping. Let me just give the setup. They're camping. Um, she's already, I think this is the point where she's made magic for her tent to go up. I don't know. I don't care. Anyway. <laughs> As the night had progressed, the desert air had gotten chillier and more crisp. Mac had on a slightly puffy jacket with a collar turned up, and he looked rather, quote, Abercrombie and Fitch, end quote, leaned up against the tree. I realized this was also the first time I had seen him out of his work attire. His standard black dickies and black and a black button down, his quote, show blacks, unquote, or his occasional Carhartts if he was doing something more mechanical that day. Instead, he was wearing fitted Levi jeans with the bottoms of the legs slightly rolled up and a long sleeve red, blue, and yellow linen plaid shirt. Earlier in the day, I had noticed that he had the plaid shirt unbuttoned, showing a white-ribbed, fitted, sleeveless shirt underneath. In the South, those types of white undershirts are often called, quote, wife beaters, end quote. It's a horrible name for anything, really, but especially a shirt. Though in every movie I've ever seen, the redneck wife beater wears one, and without a doubt, you call it that, and people instantly know what kind of shirt you are speaking about. In the cool night air, the long sleeves that had been rolled up had come down, and he had buttoned up the shirt, covering up the undershirt. Boy, this is a long paragraph about <laughs> <laughs> buttoned and unbuttoned shirt. Okay. The black boots he always wore at work had been replaced with much more rugged-looking brown ones that went up higher on the ankle, and he had wrapped his laces around the top. <sighs> this is the best part in the whole book for me. <laughs> it occurred to me in that moment that I liked his style a lot. 
He looked somewhat like a hipster, but a hipster that could actually hunt and do other manly things most hipsters don't know how to do. A manly hipster without a beard, though, thankfully. I was not a fan of beards, and I had come to realize that I liked it most when Mac had just shaved, though in the light from the fire he appeared to have a five o'clock shadow, and that was also nice. Mac's eyes followed me as I approached him, but he waited for me to get right up to him before he spoke. Magic girl, he said as he grinned. It had become a playful nickname that I was starting to not even mind anymore. Hey, Superman, I said playfully. I leaned up against the tree facing him. Due to the cold, I crossed my arms and pinned them against my chest. Mac had one hand jammed into his pocket, while his other was holding a beer close to his face. He chuckled slightly at my response. Are you glad you came out? Mac asked me, staring at the ground while his right boot pushed a small rock across the dirt. Technically, he had been the one to invite me, and yet I still wasn't sure with what intention. So far, he had made a point of keeping his distance to a certain extent all day, or at least that was how it had seemed. I was getting the feeling that he had just invited me out to be nice, not for anything more, as I had at one point had thought. Yeah, it's nice to hang out with people and pretend as if I have friends, I fidgeted. I paused for a moment before adding, are you glad I came? I immediately regretted the question, and it seemed like a pretty silly thing to ask once I had actually uttered it out loud. Yeah, I am. You're not so bad to be around when we aren't at work. He shoved me just a little bit with his shoulder and bit his lower limb. Oh, am I really the worst one at work to be around? I grinned and asked teasingly. I was, at the very least, sure I wasn't his biggest aggravation at work as of late. Oh, Zade. Oh, you. (laughs) Sweet Zade. All right, and our last dramatic reading is from when Zade goes to the mall and just meets two uh, very prominent Vegas residents. No big deal. (laughs) And uh, I'll be Zade. Kelly will be Scott. And Kate will be Wayne. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. As I made my way up through the main section of the mall, I saw two vaguely familiar-looking figures walking towards me. I squinted as they approached. When they were nearly in front of me, I laughed aloud. Of course they were familiar! Carrot Top and Wayne Newton grinned when they saw me, and I couldn't help but let a smile spread across my own face as I stopped to greet them. Hey guys, I said, still chuckling. I have to say you two are the last people I would think I'd see walking through a mall together. We had to do a charity event here today. We just finished. We just had someone come up to Wayne and ask him when he started dating Reba McIntyre. Carrot Top said, pointing at himself. I laughed. You guys coming to the premiere in a few weeks? I asked, brushing a strand of hair from my forehead. Wouldn't miss it. Wayne said, and I detected the genuineness in his voice. Besides, you know Scott will show up anywhere with a red carpet, including the opening of an envelope. 
My brow furrowed slightly in confusion. Scott? My mom didn't name me Carrot Top, you know. He quipped, just as Wayne was gesturing with a thumb to point at him. Got it. Scott. Real name. Okay, I said, trying not to blush. So, Scott, I continued, rushing to change the subject. Congrats on winning Comedian of the Decade. That's a big deal. Thanks. Come by the Luxor and see me anytime. I will, I said gratefully. Well, it was great meeting you both. Later. I gave each of them a quick hug before walking away. I can only stand them all for so long before I'm shopped out. I hit my wall and decided it was time to head home and start getting ready for my night out. Yeah, of course you gotta leave them all when Carrie Top and Wayne Newton leave. Like, jeez. <laughs> I will also say that, at least in my copy, it was not um, great meeting you both, but great seeing you both, which implies yeah. that she just has a prior relationship with Wayne Newton and Carrot Top <laughs> that we just have no... And they were so glad to see her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it does say great seeing you. I just, like, read it as meeting you both because that made more sense. But yeah. uh, stop trying to fix this book, brain. Just read it the way it's written. <laughs> yeah, she knows him, but she's not, like, on first name basis with Carrot Top yet. Also, I, yeah, just, I do want to mention, cute. like, congrats on winning Comedian of the Decade. That was not previously mentioned in this book. You know, it's not, like... And then I picked up Vegas News and read Carrot Top named Winning of the Comedian of the Decade. Or even, like, the way she's like, oh, like, you're coming to the show opening, right? And they clearly know exactly what show in Vegas she's talking about. Wow. I'm actually, I'm Googling right now Carrot Top Comedian of the Decade because I do want to see if that's a real thing. And if so, like, says who? What decade? It's 2017. (laughs) Well, you know he's on Twitter, like, shilling for this book. He is? Well, he did. I didn't even see that. Oh, you missed yep. it. He was part of the whole, uh, whole fun. Carrot Top Comedian of the Decade pulls up no uh, immediate hits that seem to indicate he's won an award like that. So, good try. Good try. Maybe he won Comedian of the Decade at the Ritzy Pepper Mill. <laughs> That makes sense, actually. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, this book, it was exceptionally hard to pick what to read aloud because the whole thing is like this. It's just, oh, it's just, I would love to listen to an audiobook of this, actually, like, (laughs) read by Carrot Top. (laughs) (laughs) I I really wanted to read a description of, like, the big illusion she and Charles were working on together, but it literally is, like, 20 pages long and so dumb. So dumb. Like, she's on a catwalk, and she sand appears and then lightning strikes the sand and a glass statue of her is there but then a tree grows and an apple falls off and the apple turns into a boy who picks up a guitar and plays a song on a guitar and then a wardrobe appears and he puts the statue in a wardrobe and then she like it is insane yeah which again if this were a movie i feel like it might be kind of cool to look at i don't know but again, it's not a movie, it's a book that we read. <laughs> yes. Are we ready to play some Would You Rather now? Yeah. Yes. All right. Would you rather 
read the allegedly upcoming sequel to this book or have your earliest writing published without an editor? Well, my earliest writing is pretty great. Um, I wrote a book called The Rabbit Who Lost His Ears. And um, spoiler alert, they were in the freezer. That's where you put them. <laughs> and then um, I also wrote a book about seaweed. And like, I can't remember what the seaweed lost. Or it was a family story or something. It was about seaweed. So um, there are at least plot arcs in those books. So, you know, plot arcs and, like, creativity. Um, yeah. So I'm okay with earliest writing published without editing. And those sound like picture books. You know, you get a good artist in there. They can really make that look good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like, if we're talking about earliest writing, like, the picture books I drew in first grade, then go for it. Those were yeah. baller. They were amazing. <laughs> like, there was one about, like, these dinosaurs, this dinosaur family, and then another one about, like, anthropomorphic hearts around Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, those were pretty great. I would do those rather than read the sequel. If it were talking, like... The novel I wrote in high school or my senior thesis at Purchase, uh, I would rather read the sequel because this was terrible, but possibly because of the books that I have read it in conjunction with. Uh, we've been recording these episodes out of order, so we just recorded a pretty bad one for a pretty awful book. Um, this wasn't as bad. <laughs> I genuinely want to read the sequel to this book. I want to know. <laughs> uh, I want before we started, we were just talking about how the model and sequel still hasn't come out and probably never will. But if that comes out, I'm fucking reading it. <laughs> I can't look away from these train wrecks. They demand to be observed. I mean, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, like, I think once you make it through book one and you're like, what the hell was that? You then have to go back for number two, you know, like, will it get better or worse? Like, I have no standard now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, All right. How about, would you rather meet Carrot Top and Wayne Newton at the mall (laughs) or be a special guest at one of David Copperfield's shows? Carrot Top and Wayne Newton. What does being a special guest entail? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It's like, I don't want to know what being a special guest means. Well, didn't she go if backstage like... at a show? Didn't she do that? I, I mean, like that. Like, you're like a VIP. You go, like, backstage. Okay. Um. Yeah, like, I'll do that. Because I think she, like, she met him backstage. And then they had, like, a good table at the show at a fancy restaurant. So I'll do that. That's I could go for a fancy meal. I'm sticking with Carrot Top and Wayne Newton. Yeah, David Copperfield's kind of a dirtbag. Uh, I guess I, I, Wayne Newton has been in a James Bond movie, and I would love to meet him <laughs> <laughs> to, just for that connection to my special interest. Also, I don't go to the mall very often, and I I love big pretzels, so I feel like if I'm at the mall, I'm getting a pretzel, I'm meeting Wayne Newton, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm having a good day. I would take them, like, I would love to take them shopping, you know? Like, let's go to the store and, you know, dress you guys up. And you can dress me up and we'll have a good time. Like, you know. Yeah. And, like, say what you will about Carrot Top. Like, he has really good curl maintenance. And I would like to know genuinely what products he uses. Yeah, that's a great point. (laughs) All right. This sounds like a great time. Uh, Let's let's get it in our (laughs) date books. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. How about, would you rather have your tarot cards read by Dela or by Zade? Dela. Definitely Dela. Like, Zade, every time she tried to read tarot cards in this book, she couldn't focus on anything but who she was going to marry. And I don't care. Like, if I'm getting my tarot cards read, I want it to be by someone who's, like, good at it and not, like totally focused on who they're going to marry yes tell me who i'm going to marry <laughs> the thing about Dela is sometimes like she sees like the real hard truth that people don't want to confront oh that's okay okay yeah i'm okay yeah. um yeah i'll go with Dela too i don't really want to like talk to zade yeah that's how i feel the whole time i feel like i'd be sitting across the table from her and she'd be like i hate girls you're gonna steal my man blah 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 also, I'm just going to make you disappear. Yeah. Although, if you if you did meet Zaid, you could, like, casually drop off a copy of Here We Are, Feminism for the Real World. Like, That's true. At her, you know, at her table. And maybe she'd read it or, like, I can, I can give it. it to her mom. I can give it to her mom to give to her. Oh, that's a great point. Okay. All right, and now uh, we're going to have the return of a game that we invented in honor of, well, we renamed an existing game (laughs) in honor of Bill O'Reilly. And this game, of course, is fucking marrying killing, uh, where the rules are you must give your answers in the form of a gerund. And so would you rather, not would you rather, I don't know, fucking marrying killing, colon, Mac, Jackson, and Cam. I would... I'm fucking Jackson. Yes, I'm also, I'm fucking Jackson, marrying Cam, and killing Mac. I think I'm right with you. I remember nothing about Cam, so he seems like the least harmful person to marry. Wasn't Um, Cam the one who was like 18 or something, though? Like, she would always call him kid. That's Riley. Damn it, you're right. (laughs) Cam is the one who, like, is so handsome she could never see herself dating him, so she immediately decides that they'll just be friends. Right, right, okay, right. he's so handsome. Okay, cool, yeah, I'm marrying him. And killing Mac, just because he's obnoxious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jackson plays a guitar, so, like, you would have a great night with him, and then be like, great, done with you, you know, like... See, He's I'm, a good one I'm gonna I'm marrying Jackson to get that sweet plain white tease money, <laughs> and then and fucking handsome Cam and killing Mac. <laughs> so basically, Mac is being killed no matter what. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about fucking marrying killing Zade, Sophia the Mean Girl, and Dela? fucking Sophia because she is supposed to be like incredibly beautiful and hot and I'm into that uh marrying Dela because she seems nice and killing Zade honestly those are my answers too um fucking Sophia because again I think she'd be fun and like you can get a lot of dirt but like one night would be enough with that right yeah Dela she's she's got a history she's older she's a little bit more established she'd be fine to marry um, say, I don't want nothing to do with that bitch. Yes, I I agree as well. This is a unanimous decision. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Zade. <laughs> See, but th- now it works out because Zade and Mac are both dead, and so they can get married in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won! We won at fucking marrying, killing uh, every one of us. <laughs> Yes. 
All right, now it's time for some reader's advisory where we suggest books to read instead of or in addition to this one. I do want to say, I do want to reiterate, I think this is a good idea for a book. I think someone should write this book better because I do want to read a book about an actually magic Vegas magician. In lieu of that, I am going to recommend one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Now You See Me, (laughs) where they use magic to do Robin Hood crimes. (laughs) And it's great. Um, I am going to recommend if you're looking for a book about a girl who discovers that her family has magic that she can tap into and uses it and it involves an art form and also whatever just read shadow shaper by daniel jose older like don't i i'm trying to make it connect but it's got magic and it's good unlike this book yeah um i'm gonna blow through mine and basically just say they're all um like magic on a little bit of a darker side and also like super well written and interesting um so anything by brenna yovanoff especially the replacement or fiendish um darker shade of magic by v.e schwab labyrinth lost by zoraida cordova and blood magic by tessa Gratton. Um, one more that I'm going to mention, we have definitely recommended this before and probably you've read it, but just in case, um, the Raven cycle, the first one, which is Raven boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Um, we like, there's a lot of tarot cards in both of them and kind of this idea of, of magic, but it's just like actually is good. So that's cool. Um, and, uh, go ahead. I'll do one more too, and it's um it's actually the book that I'm currently reading right now, um and it's called uh The Good House by Tanana Reeve Du. It's actually an adult book. I'm reading a book for adults. I just want everyone listening to know that. <laughs> and um it, it also it's like family magic and tarot card reading and like the darker side of these things and. There are also, like, different guys that our protagonist is maybe into, but, like, done in an adult way because they're adults because this is a book for adults that I'm reading <laughs> for adults. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read six books for adults this year. <laughs> I might even read seven. Um, so there's a moment in the book where, um, is it Zade is talking about like popular depictions of magic and witchcraft, I think. And she talks about how bad one of them is charmed, I believe. And then she goes on and on about the movie Practical Magic and how great it is. And it must have been written by somebody who really understands magic. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, I don't think she knows that it started as a book. Um, Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman would be another really good one for um, Reader's Advisory on this one. It's one that I picked up when I was, like, 13 or 14 when it came out, and I was obsessed with it. Like, it does everything this book wants to do but can't do. Actually, I've never read it or seen the movie, but now I want to. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, That was, like, my first introduction to sort of the, like, occult sort of storytelling, and um, it's just, it's enjoyable. I don't remember if I saw the movie. I may have, but... The book is what stuck with me. It is an adult book, too. Excellent. <laughs> Those are fine sometimes. Whatever. Once in a while, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have all of these and some more and also a roundup of uh, links about 
the the whole backstory of Handbook for Mortals. We'll have all of that up on our website, worstbestsellers.com, so check that out. And now we will move on to our candy pairing, where just like if you're a special guest at David Copperfield's show, they'll suggest a fancy wine to go with that. We're going to suggest a candy to go with this book. Um, so my suggestion is Fun Dip. Because every time you get Fun Dip, you're like, oh, this is going to be a good idea. But by the time you're into it, it's an awful one. And yet you can't stop yourself because you're like, it's just sugar. I'm just like inhaling sugar on a sugar stick. Um, you know the consequences as you're going, but you keep going. And then you have that moment when you're done and you're like, oh, man, I'm not doing that again for a long, long time. And yet you'll repeat the cycle again. I was going to say, we're going to eat more Fun Dip in two weeks because that's like our whole premise. <laughs> we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh we just did breaking dawn and carrie's pick for that was Lika made which is the same thing as funded yeah, yeah all these books are that <laughs> uh my candy bearing for this is just a maraschino cherry that you stole from a discarded drink at the bar much like how this book was stolen uh, <laughs> and it's like really sugary and fake and probably has some weird germs in it <laughs> But you can tie the stem with your tongue. <laughs> oh, yeah. My candy pairing is Raven's Revenge, which seems like a cool hip candy for cool hip kids who aren't like normal kids. But really, it's just like pixie sticks repackaged in a dumb looking container and they mix all the flavors together. So it's not really even as good. Oh, I remember Raven's Revenge. What a what a good time. <laughs> <laughs> a good time in my life that was <laughs> anyway now it's time to play a rock paper snick i'm sorry the rock paper snicked what am i saying the rock paper snicked where kate will say who Dwayne the rock johnson would be if he were in this book and i'll say who wolverine from x-men would be if he were in this book and kelly will choose which one most enhances the book or can choose paper which is to leave the book as is okay cool all right. Uh, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be one of the crew members from the show. He would figure out pretty quickly that Zade is Charles's daughter, and even though he swore initially that he wouldn't tell, as he sees all of the complex misunderstandings get more and more ridiculous, he'd break his word at least to Mac, Sophia, and Jackson to let them know what's going on. And it would save everyone a lot of angst in the end and leave the book to me meander to an anticlimactic conclusion without all the weird POV drama in POV switching drama in the last quarter. All right. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be on a trip to Vegas with Gambit, and they would walk past the theater where Zayd and Charles' show is, but Gambit would insist on instead going to see Celine Dion's show, and then in the midst of POV hopping, we would just get also now an extremely detailed description of what Celine's Vegas show is like. <laughs> Man, both of these are good, but I'm going to go with The Rock, because I love The Rock, and... um. Yeah, I am cool without the POV switching because most of the comments on my like 10 page document of notes I was taking were like, WTF is this POV? Um, so I'd like, <laughs> I'd like less of that. <laughs> that's fair enough. All right. Well, that's that's how we play the rock, paper, snicked. And now what do we think the moral of the story is? I've got two. Some people should keep their ideas in their head and not put them down on paper. Mm -hmm. 
And the second one is real magicians choose magic over magic with a K. Nice. My moral of the story is they're illusions. A trick is something a whore does for money. My moral of the story is if people just shared very basic information with each other, like, for example, who their father is or what constitutes a young adult novel, many problems would easily be solved before they happen. True. Great life advice. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. You know, Duarte, you're right. I do think, I mean, there's so many points of view in this. Why couldn't she just have thrown in what a cat's thinking? I'd like to know. Yeah. You know, I think a cat at this point, and you know how I feel about animals, but I think a a cat's point of view would actually be better than most of the points of view in this book. Oh, yeah. You know, the cat could definitely tell us, like, what Max smells like, um, what his flesh tastes like. Whether he is good at scratching behind the ears like what kind of hand magic he has yeah these are all important things to know and i i agree Dorte. that should be in here <sighs> all right well thanks for that Dorte. and now do any humans have any closing thoughts about this book i um i made it <laughs> you did it congratulations <laughs> i'm gonna be talking about this book for forever i would say that if you come across this book somehow without actually having to buy it and give money to this monstrosity. And what we have said here sounds like this is the kind of train wreck you would be interested in. You probably would be, um, but don't actually spend money on it. Do not. No. Do not. No. It is on NatGalley. I did get approved for it on NatGalley. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, I... My... I'm still so intrigued by, like, the whole scam of it. I would actually love to watch, like, a Lifetime movie about, like, the whole scam and how it was pulled off. And I would love for Blues Traveler to have a cameo. Very interested. I I don't know if listeners would know this. I'm going to throw this out there. Um, So, like, when Blues Traveler came into it, um, I was in the midst of trying to fund classrooms um, through Donors Choose. And... I was like, would you help, like, fund this classroom or whatever, thinking that they would just, like, retweet it. You know, they have, like, 35,000 followers or whatever. Um, The Poppers just finished covering the classroom, which was awesome. Oh, that's so nice. This is a nice end to this story. You know, they donated whatever it was, the $150, to fund this classroom. And um, Ann Ursu, who has been helping me with this a bit, she ended up emailing the teacher and just saying... Just so you know, this is going to be the weirdest story you hear in a while, but. <laughs> That's incredible. I, mi- yeah. I I love when you retweet the classrooms. I had missed the whole Blues Traveler aspect of it. There's a there's an article on, um, it's not MTV.com and it's not Vulture. I can't remember who it is. Um, Entertainment Weekly wrote about it and like interviewed John Popper about it. And he was like, oh yeah, like that was a cool way to like give back and blah, 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 blah. And, I was like, whoa. Nice. <laughs> Not what I expected, but an awesome twist to this story. Yeah, no, that's great. Aw. Yeah. Poor one out for Blues Traveler. I know, um. right? <laughs> Who would have thought? 
I think I think if there was a lifetime movie of this, I think the best way to do it would be to intersperse um the story of like the whole scam with like excerpts of the book as a movie. <laughs> Did you yeah. guys read that story? Um it was in the New York Times a few years back about the film that Lindsay Lohan was doing at the time, and I can't remember what it was called, like The Falls or something, like it's a two-word title. And it was this long piece, like a seven-page New York Times article about how hard it was to work with her on the set and about like how challenging this film was. It was just this ridiculously dramatic piece. But like it so reminded me of like, what Lonnie Laney would be like on a set if she were to film this, like be part of the the production team. I have no trouble believing that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast episode and you're like, where can I find more of Worst Bestsellers on the internet? I will tell you that we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Worst Bestsellers. We're on Twitter, where we're Worst Bestseller with no S, because the S is actually um, part of Carrot Top's given name, and he needs it. (laughs) He needs it for his name of Scott, which we all know. And uh, we also have a Goodreads group that has a complicated URL that you can easily access just from going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads. You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review, it pops us up towards the top of the charts and makes it easier for people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we'll be forced to send someone to do some magic with a K (laughs) on you until you uh, concede. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation and help do things like uh, help us buy new equipment and pay our editor and buy some of these shitty books that we can't get through our libraries or other means. And uh, as a patron, you also get perks like... Uh, special episodes that are just for Patreon patrons and extra blog content and things like that. It's a real party over on Patreon. Yep. (laughs) All right. Uh, And if you want more of just me, well, me and Duarte alone, you can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me on Twitter at 14 Across. And you can follow me on Twitter at Veronica Kelly Mars. I'm there with that name on Twitter on Instagram as well. And you could also find me on bookriot.com where I co-host a brand new podcast on YA with Eric Smith. And that's the Hey YA podcast. Yes. And I guess... And buy my book. Yes, definitely buy her book. And as pre-order... Can you can you pre-order the new one yet? Or is it not that Not that yet, yet, no. No. Get, get ready to pre-pre-order. Don't <laughs> call me crazy because I'm excited to read it. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think by the time this episode is out, probably Hey YA's episode about Model Land will be out. Yes, yes, that comes out on Wednesday the 4th. So yeah, it'll be out by the time. Yeah, we talk a lot about Model Land. I read an excerpt from it. I'm so. pretty excited. <laughs> There's You can never have too much to say about Model Land. Oh, never, no. I think it's consistently one of our most popular episodes by, like, download rate. Yes, 
people are still so much mystery surrounding it you know like so much so much that's another one i'd love to see a movie of (laughs) (laughs) did you watch um i i talk about this a little bit in the podcast but there's an episode of america's next top model where they make a video for it yes yes it's amazing so good good times Uh, (laughs) all right well kelly thanks so much for joining us yeah thank you for having me um even though you made me read that (laughs) (laughs) now nothing nothing comes without its cost Uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with Lizzie Borden by Elizabeth Ingstrom, which is a lesbian pulp novel about Lizzie Borden. So get is ready. Did you ask it if good? it's good? I, I want to know if it's good. You have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's really weird. Okay, that's good enough. I've enjoyed. I enjoyed reading it. Okay, okay, that's that's good enough. Like your pitch made me go. Oh wait. Do I want to suffer that? Yeah, so it's, weird. yeah, it's not great, but it's interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. That works. All right. Thanks for listening everyone. Bye. Bye.